Welcome to the Dr. Bros, where we have an honest discussion around vet life in and out of the clinic. My name is Jeff. I'm your doc of the day and your guide through this episode. I am a third year resident in dermatology, a veterinarian living in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, this is Chris. I'm a GP in North Carolina. Hey, everybody. This is Adam. I am a relief veterinarian in Louisville, Kentucky. This is the next part of our episode on busting veterinary myths. This is a continuation from last week, so if you haven't heard it yet, you don't have to go back, but it will make this episode more fun. So go back and take a listen. Anyway, we hope you enjoy hearing about more myths. Let's look at some animal-based myths and um, tackle them. So my first one was, and this one's more client-based, um, all veterinarians hate Dr. Google. Who wants to go? I'll go. This is Adam. Um, it depends. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I've seen both ends of the spectrum with this, where you have the people who just go hardcore uh, with the internet, believe absolutely everything they read on the internet. They go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories and just all like the voodoo stuff and all the like, your vet is trying to kill your pet. You need to do this instead. But then I've had other people who have scheduled appointments because of something they read online that could be a potential problem. And that's what brought them in the, in the first place. So I think there's a place for it. You know, but at the same time, take it with a grain of salt. And most clients are pretty good about that. You know, they'll read something online and some of them will even say, I'm sure you love it when, you know, people come in re reading Dr. Google. But, uh, you know, they'll bring something and be like, well, I read this online. Is this accurate? You know, and they'll kind of present it that way, which shows me in a sense that they care because they're doing their research. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're consulting with a professional. Uh, so I do appreciate that. Um, but again, you, you kind of see both ends of the spectrum with that. This is Chris. Uh, I mean, I agree with, with all that. And you're, you're definitely, uh, um, I don't, I, I think earlier on in the veterinary world when Google was becoming a bigger thing and people were just Googling everything. Like I think people were like more vets. I don't know. This is my own opinion. We're kind of more hesitant about it, but I don't care if people Google things like Google it. It is what it is. Um, I'll tell you my, with, I think it's false or it's true or not. I'll also ask them like where they source their information from. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know some people like, oh, here, like read things online. I'm like, okay, but where did you get that from? And people are like, oh, I got it from like a Facebook group. I'm like, that's just someone else's opinion. Like, were they like a vet that told you or they're like, no, it was just like some guy. I'm like, then that's probably not true. Um, or like if it is true or they did say something like that, like, is there a paper or, or something that kind of backs up this information? Um, and a lot of times the people just, they mostly like, like, no. And they're just like, okay. And we just kind of talk about it. Um, the ones that are kind of adamant about things, I'm like, well, show me papers and I'll believe you. Like, I'm not trying I don't, I'm very open. I'm like, just tell me, like, if you can show it to me, I'll believe you. Like, we're not right a hundred percent of the time. Like, if you think you're right all the time, like you're probably not doing medicine right um so you, there's always room to learn but um yeah I, i'm not a, i do not dislike people who do use dr google like i encourage it i'm like go look it up here are some websites you'll look up here's websites that i trust don't look at these websites because it's a lot of made up stuff i believe but again i think if you steer them in the right direction most people like you said adam 
they're just in the, they're trying to look up what could be helpful for their pet or they're caring. So they're trying to figure a way out. Um, but again, if they didn't care about our opinion then they wouldn't ask us what we thought about it. So I think that goes to show like they're still coming to see us. Um, now if they don't do what we say or do something completely off the rails, like, okay, that's their choice. We can't make them do again. It's our best recommendation. And this is Jeff, and I think both of you are exactly right. I th- I think as far as the myth goes, it depends. So I 1000% agree. Some of the points you mentioned, Chris, I was going to bring up myself. Like if you come in and you, you everyone's going to Google, you're going to Google what's going on with your dog or cat. Like you, you absolutely will. But if you come in with an open mind and you're like, hey, I read this. I'm not sure if it's true. What's your opinion? Then it makes having an open discussion about it easier. And I usually tell my clients, allow me to be your filter. So you can come in with the information. I can tell you if it's legit or not, or if it's, you know, straight up not true. Or if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. I have also asked for sources. So if you send me a well-written journal article and it's a legit source and I'm like, oh, you just taught me something new. Great. Yeah, let's move forward with your plan. That makes sense. I don't care. I'm here to learn. We're, we're all here in the interest of your pet and you're coming to me as a service. But if you come in sideways trying to karate chop my neck and not listening to what I say, <laughs> I'm kind of confused as to what we're doing here. Uh, because again, you came to see me. So when you're, when you're not letting me get a word in edgewise or really not taking my opinion into consideration, I don't take it personally from the sense that you must listen to me. I am the doctor, but it does cause confusion because I'm like, well, you came to see me and I'm telling you my, my opinion based on my years in school and expertise, but you're listening to Bernice off Facebook. And I shout out to any Bernices out there that I wasn't personal, but, (laughs) 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 but it, it does make me confused because, um, my opinion is, Typically, I try to base them off of science and what I've learned in school and what I continue to learn even through um, continuing education. So it's very confusing. If you come in sideways, kind of narrow-minded, it's going to be a more confusing visit than if you come in more open-minded, ready to um, discuss things further. So let's try to hit two more and then end out with a final question I've got for the both of you. And we'll go for some more low-ball ones. So myth. Indoor cats do not need flea prevention. <laughs> that is 100% true. No! I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't piss off the dermatologist. <laughs> no, it is. That is uh, very false. I've My favorite story I tell people like, oh, my cat's indoors. I don't need... Uh, flea prevention. And I said, you know, I had a, a sweet old lady that had uh, a bunch of cats that lived in her basement. And she goes, ah, they never go outside. Um, but they're itching and they're, and they're losing the hair and everything. But I mean, it, it must be just something's in the basement. And as I'm like looking at the cat and pushing the hair forward off of its, um, like butt area there, I'm mm-hmm. looking at, it, I'm like, yeah, what's in your basement is fleas. <laughs> um, and, and she goes, no, that, that can't be true. Like she like thought I was lying to her and she's like, didn't believe. And I just flicked off like a handful of fleas. And I'm like, those are all fleas right there. And she still like didn't believe it. And I'm like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Like that's flea dirt. These are fleas. Like, and it wasn't like one or two fleas. Like 
covered in fleas, like just a flea infestation. I said, not only do you need to treat your cats and put them on prevention, uh, you need to treat your house for fleas. Like this right. is a problem. And so usually people hear that and like, you need to put them on something. And I, we get this here in North Carolina, like, oh, it's winter, like fleas aren't out. Like we don't need to do that at all. It's not the season for it. And I said, yeah, fleas like to go where it's warm. Your house is warmer. They're going to go inside. And, and that shows like, Hey, like you just need to put them on all the time. There's plenty of people that are like, we'll just be out of it and be like, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, I can't twist your arm. But when you come back for flea medication, like you, you need this stuff. So yes, they needed a hundred percent to be indoors. And this is Jeff. And what I just wanted to piggyback off of that was they need it. And also it's really important for the, the patients who are coming with problems. So if, you come to me and being in dermatology, I see this often enough and it is confusing. I think owners don't realize, and this is true, that fleas are excellent jumpers and they don't want you so much as they want your dog because our human temperatures are actually lower than the normal walking around temperature of a resting dog or cat. So they prefer dogs. They, they can hop on our clothing from going outside being about our day and come inside. If your dog or cat's lucky enough to not have allergies or allergies to fleas or a problem, great. Your recommend, your, the recommendation from your vet's still probably going to be to protect them to prevent these problems. But in particular, the patients who are coming that are coming with itchiness and problems are the ones that do need to be protected. And surprisingly, yes, indoor only cats should be protected from fleas, whether you see them or not. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about how fleas can jump on people's clothing brought into the house and then they can hide in places like in the couch and the carpet, you know, all kinds of crazy places. Uh, and I feel like the the problem that I see a lot with clients is that a lot of them synonymize fleas with like hoarding situations or like dirty environments and that's not always the case like i'm not saying you're a dirty person just because your cat has fleas like that's <laughs> that's not the case you know they can they can sneak in it happens uh i also tried to pair that because most of the flea and tick preventions that i use for cats also cover heartworms yes cats can get heartworms as well as dogs and Actually, with cats, there is no treatment for heartworms, so it's even more important to keep them on um, a heartworm prevention as well. So that covers heartworms, fleas, and ticks. So let's go ahead and cover them for everything. Uh, and who hasn't had a mosquito in their house? You know, so uh, I try to pitch that as we need to protect against all of these things, and all of these things can be covered by this one product. I think that's an. Excellent point. And certainly if there are any vet owners listening, go and ask your vet about the big three fleas, heartworms, and ticks about what prevention makes the most sense for your pet. Certainly in general, covering all three is um, a good rule of thumb. So my last myth before I get to my final question for y'all is a pretty straightforward one. I only need to take my pet to the vet when it's sick. So this is Adam. Uh, I would obviously disagree with that. Um, there is such a thing as preventative medicine. Again, one thing we just covered was fleas. Fleas, heartworms, ticks. You know, doing that, especially on dogs, doing the annual heartworm test. Make sure we're negative for heartworms as well as tick-borne diseases. 
staying current on our preventative uh, in terms of our heartworm flea and tick prevention, staying up to date on our vaccines, especially if we're going to places like dog parks, especially if we're outside a lot, uh, exposed to things like lepto, uh, something we should definitely vaccinate uh, against, and especially exposed to wildlife outside, you know, definitely staying up to date on that rabies. Because not only is it deadly uh, to the pet, it can be deadly to people. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also the law to have your dog <laughs> vaccinated for rabies. So if you don't want to break the law, I would recommend getting them a rabies vaccine. So yes, it is important to stay up to date on that. I have <laughs> some clients that come in that we see only when their dog is sick. We'll see them once every five, six years. And they're like, oh, they're super healthy. We're never here. And I'm like, well, those aren't necessarily synonymous. <laughs> but that's a different conversation. Let's take care of your sick pet. But but yes, there are a lot of important things uh, that need to be addressed with those yearly or bi-yearly exams uh, that include preventative medicine. This is Chris. I mean, I, I agree. There's not, I mean, nothing else really to add to that besides like, yeah, just bring your dog. I mean, I, vets are notorious for being bad about going in for themselves for preventative medicine. True. <laughs> which true. we should also go all the time. <laughs> but um, And do yearly blood work on ourselves, not pulling our own blood, like going to the doctor and doing it, like let them do their thing. But um, I, I do – dogs, cats, we need to see you just to make sure you're healthy. I mean – um, some of it also, I will say it, it is on the vets to kind of help remind them. Like I do think sure. reminders, I think mean, our practice does a really good job of sending out like reminders. Um, it is actually the point where it's a little bit annoying because I get those text messages now for, <laughs> for my pets and I'm like, I, I saw it. Like, thank you. And it just, it, again, it was making me prompt to go see it. I'm like, at least you're on top of me to do it. And I've now experienced what it's like for a client. I'm like, if you don't go, you're just definitely not going, but. At least, like, I think that helps, too. Like, again, years ago, we weren't saying preventative medicine as much. We are just there for your sick. But, like, I mean, I don't know. That's back when I was a kid. Like, they're not texting you because there wasn't text messages then. And they're not sending you emails about, like, hey. And they weren't going to give you a phone call and say, hey, you're due for your, your yearly. That was just on you to remember to come in a year to come back for your, your checkup. So, I think now it's a little bit on vets, or at least the practice itself, to, like, remind the people to come in. And then it's just them to come in. Like, you definitely need to come in and, and we need to see your pet just to make sure it's healthy. There's been plenty of times we've diagnosed something on a, on a healthy visit. Um, that's like, and I just put air quotes in there. It's, it's not, um, it, it, you, we diagnosed, not diagnosed at that time, but like we've saw something, Hey, like this might be cancer. And we send you to a specialist or we kind of do some more diagnostics or, mm-hmm. um, for cats coming in for a healthy visit, you diagnose kidney disease or early kidney disease on blood work. Like now we can at least get ahead of it. And now instead of waiting for your cat to be super sick, we can start treating now and we can potentially uh, prolong their life now by starting treatment early versus waiting until they're knocking on death's door. Um, Mm -hmm. Hyperthyroid is another one I think of for cats, Um, dogs. I mean, liver disease, just so many different diseases that we can just, kind of spot earlier and it's good to get in there earlier and we can actually make your dogs and cats live longer um, if we had just caught it earlier. So I, I definitely think you need to come in as at least once a year, twice a year. If you're 
over six, seven years old, depending on your dog. For sure. This is Jeff again. I think all your points, you know, 100% on the money. Um, other things that I think are important to remember is sometimes the vet uh, owners don't know exactly what normal is or they've gradual changes have happened to their pet and they're caught on our physical exam. And we're like, whoa, this is actually extremely important to check into whether it be the blood work your pet's getting overweight maybe they're showing signs of cushings like eating too much drinking too much peeing too much and they're oh they've been doing that forever and and we're like actually that's something that we can diagnose and and treat um and they don't realize gradual changes so that's important for those regular visits the prevention for sure and then one that i don't think anybody brought up yet is recheck visits so if i see you and you're sick just because I get better doesn't mean I don't need the recheck because that helps me as a doctor see a are they as be- are they better because of the medicine are they better you know why why do they get better is my medicine working did I do a good job is your pet feeling better because we checked all the boxes we need to and then I'll, it also helps me if your pet gets sick again later understand what's going on instead of only seeing them when they're sick sometimes it's hard and i think owners understandably will forget what medications were used what they thought helped xyz but if we can touch base when they're healthy or doing better it's much easier for that long-term plan to keep them uh, better even longer and for their longevity so it's super super helpful for me to put my eyes back on your pet and say oh they're doing better because of xyz and i'll put that that note in the computer yeah they look better they feel better i agree with everything you're saying this is perfect i'll see you again in six months to a year that's actually an extremely helpful uh thing for owners to, to come back for their recheck exams uh, when possible and then to close things out, I just had a quick question for each of you. What is, I wrote this as, what is your favorite aspect of being a veterinarian? Obviously, it's hard to, to shave it down to one thing, but give me maybe one thing to end on. Happy smile shines and rainbows. Happy pride. We're recording this during pride month. Um, but tell me what is one thing that you enjoy, um, that, that you really, really enjoy about being a vet? This is Adam. Uh, I would say that recently, again, I've started doing relief work. uh, And the thing that I've found that I really enjoy about it is getting the opportunity to work with different clinics uh, and to meet different people in the field and to also see how different clinics do things differently. I find that really interesting, uh, not only from a medical management position but also from a business position too just seeing how different clinics do things differently uh, in terms of what's best for how things run for them uh, how things are best for their patients how things are best for their clients and it's just been kind of cool to see that uh, and then be able to take that personally and implement it in how I practice as well uh, to better serve my clients and better serve my patients. Uh, and that's been pretty cool to kind of carry that over and be able to, you know, again, better myself uh, by doing that. Hey, this is Chris. My favorite aspect of veterinary medicine is surgery. It's what I enjoy doing the most. I enjoy the challenge of surgery, just seeing the variation in cases. Um, I also like the follow-up after surgery 
Um, especially after a knee surgery. I can see that before the surgery, the patient wasn't walking uh, due to an ACL tear. They're just not feeling great. And then eight to 12 weeks post-op, they're ready to go. They're biting at the bit. They're ready to start uh, playing again. And, and that makes me feel good just seeing that this dog was not doing well beforehand. And then afterwards, he's ready to go back to normal and just kind of live life uh, like he wants to. So um, overall, that's kind of my favorite thing of of veterinary medicine is surgery. For me personally, it's like slightly two part, but I swear I'll be fast. Uh, one thing that I really enjoy is the client communication aspect because I love teaching in like a one-on-one or one-on-two basis and getting the client on board with my plan and getting, getting them really involved in the pet care. And then the pet getting better is really important to me and, and fun and super reward rewarding when I see them get better as we've all like made this plan together. And then the other aspect that I really like is the community. So I don't think I was really expecting it, but the veterinary community itself, I found in general to be very welcoming and being the uh, only person here who's um, black and also gay. I've, I've surprisingly have found uh, an astounding LGBTQ plus community within vet med to connect with and also like a black community within vet med. And there aren't very many of us. There's less than 2% Um in the profession that are black. So it's a small group, but it's, it's been great to see like so, such a welcoming community and um, to have that, uh, I guess uh, other people who look like me to work with has, has been really nice. And just to have um, shared community with these other two identities that I carry. Thank you so, so much for listening to the Dr. Bros. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We will love you forever. It would also help us out if you could share this episode with others who may be interested in today's topic. You can also tell us what you want to hear. You can drop suggestions in the comments or shoot us an email at thedrbros at gmail.com or DM us at thedrbros on Instagram. You can also reach me at dermdrjeff D-E-R-M-D-O-G-T-O-R-J-E-F-F on Instagram and TikTok. Hey, this is Chris, and you can reach me uh, on Instagram at Dr. Chris Hernandez. That's Hernandez. And this is Adam. You can reach me on Instagram at Dr. Adam DVM. That's D-R-A-D-A-M-D-V-M.